from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there in Tangled in the Interwebs? We are back, Colorado Sports Guys. We're not high above the beautiful streets of Denver, Colorado. In fact, we are in some type of bunker down in Rhino, where they're trying to keep Rhino wild. Ross Martin out on assignment. He is covering the uh, Daytona 1200. That's a motorcycle race that uh, the beach people are going to have down there. Making his way all the way down here from Thornton, we got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? And, yeah, we uh, uh, our cohort on Denver Stiffs has gladly let us use his office, but it's not high above the streets of Denver, Colorado, unlike we were when we were vis- interviewing uh, Tim Connolly when we were – Got to revisit being uh, high of, above something for a change, but now yeah, we're, we're fine. We, now, but now we got a great. I, people who follow me on Twitter will notice that I uh, tweeted out an Instagram of uh, a, a wonderful poster of uh, David Thompson, Danisel, and uh, Alex English in Superman outfits. Yeah, which Feinstein's is the got the greatest some, thing ever. Andy's got some great uh, some nugget stuff in his office here, just looking at various things, and then there's. What is that? Just two, three items of uh, Atlanta Hawks because of Dominique Wilkins, well, his yeah. boy. He he loves Dominique. Yeah, anybody that follows Andy probably knows that he loves Dominique Wilkins about as much as Jeff loves Daniel Gallinari, and I love Wilson Chandler. Yes, yes, that, that's guys. probably an apt comparison. Yes, yes, Andy yes, loves yes. him some uh, Dominique. So, but anyway, yes, uh, we just uh, got finished with some workout stuff, so we'll be talking about that today and. Uh, what else is on the agenda? A lot of stuff. We're going we're gonna to go over the Nuggets uh, front office hire they made. We can talk about the endless cycle that is the coaching conversation with the Nuggets. Uh, we'll get to the workout, some of the individuals that have participated thus far. And then we'll go over some draft scenarios as we uh, put out some feelers on social media and got some questions back. So we'll, we'll kind of fire things up there. But uh, obviously the biggest news of the day so far uh, well, two things for the Nuggets. One, obviously, they worked out Justice Winslow from Duke. We'll get to him. Uh, but f- but first, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, as he often does, dropped a few Woj bombs today on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, saying that the Nuggets are bringing back uh, former assistant general manager, uh, now, I guess, the former general manager of the Sacramento Kings, Pete D'Alessandro, coming back yes. into the mix in Denver. Um, and they, it was very odd because Wojnarowski had said that he was coming back uh, to fill a high-level front office roles with both the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. And I guess that would lead us to our first question from a good friend of ours, another uh, great reporter in the Denver market. Derek Kissinger said he would love to hear what we think about D'Alessandro, what he can bring to the Avalanche. <laughs> but that is I, – I have no idea. I mean, and Pete's, a, Pete's a good uh, managerial guy. Lawyer, um, he, right? Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's got the agent aspect down to the contract, the salary cap aspect. He was a salary cap expert when yes, he, was he was in Denver. Yes, and um, they had some problems after he left. Obviously. Yes, a little bit, <laughs> as uh, detailed by ESPN. Once yeah. upon a time, uh, but I think that having him back is important uh, because it frees up Josh Kroenke to do other things. What was and your What was your initial reaction when you heard that Pete D'Alessandro was coming back? What did you think when you saw the tweet or when you talked to? Well, well it was funny was because I, I was actually at the workout, and I had walked in and I got this look down and I got this text message from Nate saying that he wrote a, you wrote an article on Pete D'Alessandro, 
or Pete. You said I, I got the Pete story up. Pete went, post up. Pete post up. And I'm like, what? What? And I, I, lo- I looked around, and no one seemed to know in the uh, the lab. There's, there's kind of this waiting room uh, um, before you get into the practice court. So I'm asking other people around. They're like, what are you, what's going on? So I checked Twitter. And uh, Roz Sharon actually walked in, and he, he had sent me a text message, too, at the same time you did. And he said, uh, yeah, that's uh, the... Nuggets have hired Pete Del Sundro. I went, what? So I checked it out. And sure enough, it was he had hired, been hired him for a, quote, high-level position within the Nuggets, for within uh, basically Kronky Sports Inter- Enterprises. But it was very specific to the Nuggets at the Avalanche, which means he's probably covering the major sports here in Denver. And my initial reaction was, wow, I like Pete. You know, he's a good guy. Um, he was in his time in Denver was more, um, accounting than it was actually being a general manager. So if he is getting the nuggets in charge of the finances and all that stuff of both teams, then I think that's probably a good thing because the nuggets haven't been the same since he left, to be honest with you. So when I saw the tweets from Wojnowski at different reactions at two, first one was, does this mean... Tim Conley's job is okay. Second one was if they're hiring front office people, why isn't it Chauncey Billups? Yeah. And we're if we're looking at a role, you know, Pete Alessandro, whatever role they're going to create for him, as Woj just said, they're going to create a title on Thursday for whatever he's going to be doing. But you know, why isn't a role like that going to a guy like Chauncey, where you know if he is high level, if he's kind of overseeing some things? I mean, can't they if they can make room for Pete Alessandro? Why can't they make room for Chauncey Billups? It's a good question. Why can't they? That's that's the million dollar question. Because I don't. I, I you look at it and you think, well, before I looked at Pete D'Alessandro bringing him back, I would have t- taken a look at Chauncey and said, well, if we need organizational help, bring in someone who is respected in the community like Chauncey. That part that right there is a little perplexing. Even though I like Pete. Um, I would have looked at Chauncey first if they were going to do something like that. But if it's if it's something that is to run both the Nuggets and the Avalanche, then they we're talking about higher up the corporate ladder than you know the, Chauncey would be able to do because Chauncey couldn't do hockey. And there's some yeah, and I do wonder you know, like you said, if he's just kind of handling some financial things, if it's contracts, if it's salary cap questions for both the Avs and the Nuggets. You know, maybe he's he's obviously an asset there. He knows that stuff quite well. Very mm-hmm. bright guy. Um, but it's interesting in the fact that when Masai Ujiri left the Denver Nuggets, everyone believed that it was Pete D'Alessandro's job. He was going to be promoted, and that was that. We kind of had some time go by, and you didn't hear anything about D'Alessandro getting the job, and then, boom, all of a sudden news breaks that Pete D'Alessandro had accepted a job with the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. And I know that in talking to people, it surprised the Nuggets that he took that job in Sacramento. Yes. And I know from talking to people when I was at Summer League, the uh, D'Alessandro's first season in Sacramento, right after he had left, Summer League was a month later, right, I believe, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, I talked to a lot of guys that worked in the NBA at Summer League uh, and reporters as well, and the consensus was – Pete D'Alessandro is waiting for the job with the Denver Nuggets, and the job offer, an official contract, never came. I don't know if that's true, 
but that's what the consensus was among people that worked in the NBA as well as some reporters that were out at Summer League. Mm-hmm. And there was almost the sense that there was a, a little bit of hard feelings when Pete left because he expected the job in Denver to be his, and he never had a contract place in front of him, so he took the job in Sacramento. That's an interesting scenario. And, and, and it, don't forget, too, he, he had uh, Mike Bratz, the Nuggets uh, head scout, left with Pete D'Alessandro. That's right. And I talked to him a little bit in Las Vegas, and you know he was kind of curt in what he said. He just said, hey, you know, good luck in Denver. <laughs> you know, because I was like, hey, I, I just talked to you last month about the draft, and now you're with the Kings. Like, what's going on? So... Well, it's interesting, and I I, I don't know it, it's it, since as it's yet defined what exactly his title is and specifically what he's going to do. I, I guess it's all speculation right now, but I think it's a good thing, and I think it's a good thing if there is another layer between Josh and running the organization, Josh Kroenke and the organization. I think that's only a good thing, and I think since Pete is someone who can manage uh, the business side of things. That is also good, and I think, I think that I'm a little more comfortable now than I was, say, yesterday, with some decision making. Um, now that Pete is overseeing, kind of like it seems, it also almost like a organization president kind of thing. It's, it seems like, doesn't it? Like, not not necessarily Nuggets president, but like. I'm I am the overlord of you two the organization. <laughs> well, that's the that. interesting thing too. Uh, it, you know, is Pete D'Alessandro a decision maker? If Tim Conley has, you know, a trade proposal, does he have to take that to Pete to get final approval, or does that still does he take it to Pete and then Pete takes it to Josh and then Josh takes it to Stan? You know, is this, you know, is Pete going to have some final say in things? We need to figure that out. But at the Good same question. time, is this another voice? that is going to further confuse things that already look pretty darn confused within the Nuggets organization. And I guess the only reason you say that is they have yet to hire a coach. The candidates, as we can go over them, uh, they all kind of seem to say different things about where the team would go if, if each guy was hired. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they proceed. As far as Derek's question about how it affects the avalanche, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't never. Pete never struck me as a hockey guy. Um, I think this is more of a business thing than it is a than it is a actual sport thing. And I think too, if we if so. we look at Pete in Sacramento, um, obviously he hires Mike Malone. He fires Mike Malone. No, no, he didn't hire Mike Malone. No, Vivek did. Mike Malone was oh, hired right, before Pete right. Alexander was. He yeah. was hired first. Yeah. Okay. Good catch. That's yeah. So he. Fires Mike Malone at the request, many believe, of Vivek Ranadive, who hired him. I don't know what happened there, but there's some relationship that happened there. Uh, Pete hires, obviously, they promote Ty Corbin. He gets pushed aside for George Carl. George Carl comes in. Uh, and then in the offseason, you know, Vlade Divac comes in and kind of takes Pete Alessandro's job, basically. Mm-hmm. And you see rumors that. You know, Pete might go join his good friend and where he went to school, his alma mater, St. John's, to take over as the athletic director. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think that Pete probably, it, it, once we get a chance to talk to him, probably wanted to stay in the NBA. And this might kind of be, you know, obviously he did good things when he was in Denver as part of the front office with Masai, with Josh. And, you know, obviously you want 
good people around your organization. And you saw right after right after these tweets started going out that Pete D'Alessandro was coming back, Wilson Chandler tweeted out and said, Welcome home, Pete. Yeah. Well, and everyone liked Pete. And that was that – was, that's a good move by the Nuggets since the, the, the Nuggets players actually did like Pete. I, I think that is actually – going to be something that benefits them and um I, I just don't really know how it would affect the avalanche i doubt that it will affect them much do you have any worry about the too many cooks in the kitchen scenario um i think this is streamlining it because i think if it gets josh out of the day-to-day i think it's beneficial and i think if this looks like something that is designed to get josh Kroenke some some distance away from the team. And if that's the case, then yes, I think that that is extremely beneficial to the Nuggets and the Avalanche for that matter. Um, we've seen Josh. He's been at almost all the workouts. Yes, yes. All, yeah. the, all the big ones all with the big first ones. round guys. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, he has other responsibilities within KSE. And if he, you know, can, if we have someone who's a, a basketball guy in charge of that, I'm all the more confident that the Nuggets are will be able to right the ship a little because I you know I like I said I like Pete and I think that he's got a good mind for that sort of thing at least on the business side so um, yeah I think that's a good thing I really do so let's uh, let's move in to the coaching scenario and I think probably the uh, oh, where is it I probably lost it I'm trying to read some tweets and my organization skills are horrible we didn't bring our computers so we're we're having to use our phones. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but I did get asked. Here we go, Johnny Hubcap at seventy-two Bo CBS. He asked, uh, "Does this make the Mike Malone situation, or this makes the Mike Malone situation a little weird, doesn't it?" So let's get into the Nuggets coaching. Start there. Yeah. So let's start with Mike Malone. What does this do? Okay, so we get that question. What does this do for Mike Malone? Because automatically you think. Like Jeff, like you pointed out, Malone was hired before D'Alessandro. He was mm-hmm. fired by D'Alessandro, but that probably came down from above, I would say. And you know, where does this where does this leave Mike Malone in this coaching conversation? According to Adrian Wojnarowski, he says doesn't affect it at all. I don't believe that. It it it's a business, yes, but there's feelings I, involved. I, there are I people. Do not believe that in any slight. And I thought Mike Malone is. I think Mike Malone, Mike Malone is a long shot anyway. So, but in 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 terms of, I think I think we should look at it less as what it means for Mike Malone and what does it mean for in general for the Nuggets coaching search. Because what do you, why do you think Malone is a long shot? I, I just don't buy him Wait, because because of the Nuggets' stated intentions of how they want to go. Um, I, I Malone. One of the reasons he was fired was because he refused to increase the pace of the team. He, well, quote unquote pace, but I mean, you refused to make them a leak out team. Or they were a pretty team, average yeah. team. I think if you look at the numbers, yeah. I think they're around 18th and 14th in, in pace offensively for Malone's two, oh, one and a half years one or and one and a years, quarter yeah. years. And I think, uh, and they were pretty terrible his first year. And then they got, you know, this last, they had a good month of good basketball. His second year, and then you know, obviously Demarcus Cousins goes down, and, and things change. But um, I don't. I just don't. I don't believe the as the Nuggets' stated intention is to run. Hiring Mike Malone is not necessarily who you want. It would be. I agree. It it wouldn't make sense if he was the head coach because, yeah. 
like you say, you know, he's whether he can prove that he can be a guy that can, you know, take advantage of the altitude, play with uh, space and pace, as, as Josh Kroenke likes to say now. You know, can he do those kind of things? I would love to know what his interview process with the Nuggets has been like and what he has sold to the team as his vision for the team. Mr. Malone, do you like basketball? Do you like <laughs> the game? Do you <laughs> like fast <laughs> basketball? <laughs> let me ask you something. Do you like the city of Denver? Do you, <laughs> Tim, Tim, let me, let me throw this at you. If you don't like it, roll it back up, throw it at me. Yusuf Nurkic, point forward. Point forward. <laughs> Let's explore this a little more further. Let's I'm just spitballing here. Spitballing. Uh, this is what we call free conversation. You know, you give an idea, I give an idea. But no, there is a, there is a, I just don't see it. I think he was always a long shot. And I know he got two interviews. I don't see him being hired. I think there's only two guys that are being considered. And well, I don't think that means that, anything. I really don't. Do you think that the new theory that yourself, me, Les Shapiro, a lot of guys have been talking about it on Twitter and on the various mediums, could Malone be in any way, shape, or form considered an associate head coach? It depends on the right situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only see him being a, a a top assistant or associated associate head coach if there was a strong head coach above him. If there was a a, co- a coach that wasn't always thinking about Mike Malone taking his job, and which leads us into the next two candidates. Which leads us into the next two <laughs> candidates, which are uh, well, you you tackle. What do you what? Let me you know. Let me throw this back at you. It, the other two candidates are apparently been circulated. It's uh, Melvin Hunt, Mike D'Antoni. Is there something that you see within those two that would that would indicate to you that they would accept, say, a Mike Malone as a lead assistant or an associate head coach? The only thing that – so with D'Antoni, he's, he's been in the game for a long time. He knows probably who he wants on his staff – I don't think he would appreciate the Nuggets trying to force him to take guys onto his staff that he didn't think he would work well with or know on a certain level. I couldn't see, like you said, I I would love if D'Antoni would bring somebody like Malone in, and maybe he will. Maybe he likes Malone. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I think that would work great, but I don't think that D'Antoni would let the Nuggets dictate his staff to him. (laughs) You know, he's he's earned the right to be Mm -hmm. able to say, hey, uh, with Melvin, like you said again, I think he would be constantly looking over his shoulder, going, "Hey, man, if we start out, you know, fifteen and thirty, I'm going to get the axe, and Malone's going to take over." Yep. You know, and it's, and at that point too, you have two very strong voices, two young voices. I believe they're about the same age. But the only thing that would indicate to me that it might be able to work is the fact that they have to know each other pretty well from spending 2005 to 2010 together under Mike Brown with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So there's a relationship there between Melvin and Mike, and there's also one between Tim Conley and Mike from uh, their one year together in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to to know if if you know if Melvin was getting the job, or you know, gosh, what if you went the other way and said, "Gee, what if Mike Malone's getting the job and he wanted to make Melvin his his lead assistant?" But mm-hmm. I f- I would find it very hard for Melvin to come back to Denver if he wasn't the head coach, um, and I I think Melvin might consider having Mike Malone on his staff, but I don't know if Malone's in that position. He's been a head coach already. He might just be waiting until he gets another head coaching gig, or he could go be an assistant basically anywhere in the NBA. There's a couple of why would they do that scenarios that we're painting right now. A lot of, I mean, I can see uh, I can see a D'Antoni-Malone relation um, thing. 
because D'Antoni, I don't think in this scenario, if the Nuggets just hire him, it's going to be pricey, and I don't think he's going to have to worry about being fired in the in the immediate future. So I believe that would be a different kind of thing. I don't see Melvin and uh, even though they have a previous relationship, I don't see Melvin and Malone having a coexisting kind of thing because it almost be like you're trying to do two different things at once. Yeah, and you would be constantly looking over your shoulder. You would be, it would be create an atmosphere of mistrust. And it, w- it would be him not trusting the organization and the organization not trusting him. I just don't see it. Don't yeah. See? So I, I totally agree there. Um, it's it's the, the other part that we can get into a little bit is, is Wojnowski wrote his article about Pete D'Alessandro. He mentioned how... Uh, he mentioned that Mike Malone, you know, hit the situation, his candidacy for the coach would not be affected by the Alessandro. And then he went on to mention, you know, that Malone is still one of the candidates for the job along with interim coach Melvin Hunt. He did not mention for the first time since Woj has been covering Nuggets coaching candidacy. Mm-hmm. He didn't mention Mike D'Antoni by name, which for conspiracy theorists like myself, who are now <laughs> searching for what the Nuggets are doing or trying to read the peanuts out there, uh, would this mean that, you know, that, uh, I totally lost my train of thought. It's Andy's fault. Feinstein walked in. What's Feinstein up, walked in. <laughs> so this article comes out from Woj about Pete D'Alessandro. Uh, it mentions that Mike Malone's candidacy for coach won't be affected. Uh, it also mentions that, uh, Mike Malone is a candidate among others, including interim coach Melvin Hunt. And that that was the only two names that were listed, which, you know, if we're reading tea leaves or trying to read between the lines, to me that kind of said, okay, maybe they've had talks with D'Antoni and maybe it's not progressing any further. So now the two names you're going to hear up until they announce it would be Malone and Melvin with Melvin getting the job as uh, our friend Christopher, don't call me Chris Dempsey, um, illustrated to us on, on our last podcast. A lot of that doesn't make sense, though. No, I mean, it, it's – and that's the problem with the way the Nuggets have conducted this, and this is where I'm going to give them criticism, is the Nuggets have basically set up the scenario where every everything, every possibility doesn't really make sense. You know, Melvin – I think the Nuggets are just reading Twitter <laughs> and articles and laughing, like, look at these idiots trying to figure it, this out. It's like if you hire Melvin, it's like, uh, you know, it's because – you, know, you you hire him, and then you, everyone thinks, A, you are too cheap to pay D'Antoni. B, they think that you could have given him the job months ago and avoided all this rigmarole that's going on for the last three months. You hire Malone, you think, well, you have basically contradicted everything that you had said prior to hiring him. Well, there's been, and there's been, you know, if we're talking about D'Antoni, you mentioned D'Antoni and money and cheap and Melvin. Two guys, Sandy Clough was on radio talking about, you know, negotiations with Mike D'Antoni. Chris Dempsey was also on the radio on Sandy on uh, Sandy Clough and Scott Hastings show talking about, you know, possibly the Nuggets had been in some type of negotiation with Mike D'Antoni. So that's where that information with is coming from because we've heard, we've even heard some whispers that perhaps they've been talking to Mike D'Antoni and talking money. Yeah. 
And, and none of that can be substantiated, but it's out there. And like you said, if they hire Melvin Hunt, it's going to people are going to ask the question of, well, you talked, you interviewed D'Antoni. Why didn't you hire him? What was wrong with there? Is it just because he was too expensive? And that's the problem, is that the Nuggets, because of their silence and the, the, the fact that they have been less than transparent until recently, um, they have set up the scenario where there is a big fault and, and, and there's a big questions with every single candidate that they have listed. And I just, I, it's frustrating because it didn't need to be this way. You know, you look at it, they hire Melvin, who I like. I don't think any, there's any trouble with Melvin. I will be fully supportive if they hire Melvin. But on the outside, it just looks like they emasculated him. That basically you said, um, we have we've completely wanted to dictate to you certain elements. And, oh, you're hired because Mike D'Antoni couldn't didn't want to go down to our level as far as money. It's like if you test you know. drive a like brand new, you know, brand new Honda Accord and you're like, man, this thing was pretty slick. Looks mm-hmm. nice, drove well. Sticker price is, you know, I could easily it's right in my budget. I think I'm going to go drive, you know, maybe go drive this uh Maserati or maybe yeah. go drive this Audi or <laughs> you know, try these and maybe oh, my, you know, maybe I should look at a Toyota Camry, maybe I should look at a Maxima and then you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to go back and get that Honda Accord. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world to shop around and kind of see what else is out there and see how they fit for you. You know, if we're looking at it from a from a car standpoint, <laughs> you know. But if we're looking at it from a human who has emotions standpoint, <laughs> um, obviously it's a little different. And I think that is... If you go for three months and end up with Melvin, people are going to say, well, why didn't you just do this three months ago? Well, maybe they had to make sure that Melvin was their guy. I, after after being in the organization for since 2010 and interviewing him for a head coaching job, and interviewing for a head coach, yeah, before and, Brian Shaw and, and, and after, and basically you know running the team for the last month of the season. And we're I, also to also, assume that they've had conversations with Melvin Hunt, right? I mean, there's been yeah, there's been there's, no actual news that they've sat down and and hammered things out with him. This is very true. And there are multiple, multiple things going on with each of these candidates. And, you know, I'm sorry that people are looking to us for some clarity here. But to be honest with you, I have no idea. Zero. zero <laughs> I, I don't. I think the Nuggets have kept this purposely quiet and to the point where anything, any rumor you hear could be true. It's literally what it is. Anything that has been out there could possibly be true. So you're get at, and I hate saying this, but my I guess my guess would be a little more educated, but even then it's still get just a guess, yeah. and I, I couldn't I could not give you any sort of accurate clue as to who they're going to hire. So with all that said, uh, again from people we've talked to, the feeling has been that the Nuggets are very very close. Yes, and that they probably won't make it. You know, they're probably going to get somebody in there before the draft. They're probably going to get somebody in there in the next couple of days, maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, Friday. So it's it's looking like something is close to happening. I, I, <laughs> so I, take that, I think, people. I think with the way the information has trickled out, that it, it just leads to people to believe that it will be happening very soon, like within the next couple of days. And and, and to be honest with you, it's it's a good thing. It needs to happen. The, the Nuggets need, have needed a coach for a long time, so the sooner the better. So let's get into uh, – Let's get into some of these workouts because one question that's been hilarious to me at these workouts is when a reporter eventually asks, is it weird not having the head coach of the team here? 
you know, they asked a prospect. Every prospect has been asked that. Is it weird that there's no head coach here for you to talk to? And, you know, they've. I think everybody's, all the, you know, college kids have, have done a great job of saying, yeah, it's, a, you know, it's a little different, but, you know, it's okay. We understand what the organization wants to do. I understand what the front office wants to do. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And it's, but like they've all said, it is different and, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's, it's, we, you know, I, Brian Shaw last year wasn't at the first couple of workouts, as I remember. He showed up after Dempsey wrote that he wasn't there. <laughs> which was, and which was funny. Caused all sorts of issues between yes. uh, the coaching staff and the media yes. after that. Yes, yes. That's a story that we cannot tell on the air, but yes. And I think that, you know, it's, it's the coach doesn't necessarily have to be there, but you usually have the coaching staff. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, George was there sometimes, and sometimes he wasn't there mm-hmm. when he was around. So, so it's like you would hope that they would just have a, a structure there. You would have a, some sort of thing. Now, well, it's Pat- funny because you don't Matumbo. even have your lead. Ass- I mean, you don't have. Yeah, you have Patrick Matumbo and you have Corsley Edwards and uh, Noel Gillespie and Noel Gillespie and John Beckett running these things and and Jarrett Jeffries as well coming out of the front office. Yeah, and, and Jarrett Jeffries is a, shirt a development plan. guy in the front office. So. Um, you have, you did what we're seeing right now is that I think eventually, you know, the Nuggets have, have worked out the big guys. They've worked out Stanley Johnson, Justice Winslow, well, Willie Colley Stein. Um, and you mean big guys, just guys pe- in the area of drafting seven. Yeah. Basically people in their, in their area of, of seven yeah. and they, they've had other ones, but Justice Winslow, Stanley Johnson, uh, Devin Booker are kind of the three notables and Willie Cauley-Stein. And then they had, obviously, Sam Decker and Jerry and Grant. That was kind of a package deal. Booker, Grant, and Decker have the same agent. Yeah, uh, They were all, the agent wanted them all to come in and work out. But who do you think out of those three guys, let's kind of st- work our way back. Booker, Grant, Decker, what did you kind of take away from those three guys? You hear them talking a little bit. and Who, who do you think the Nuggets might like out of that crop? Um, based on, uh, I, I would say that Jerry and Grant got the most enthusiastic conversation. Um, and he is the point guard from, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, he's a big guy. He, I think he's six, what, six, four, six, five. You know, he didn't look, he didn't look, <laughs> he looked to be the same height to me as Justice Winslow. Yeah, he was a he was a tall, tall kid for a point guard. He was, Winslow, obviously thick. Yeah, Winslow's thick guy, built but. like a linebacker, but um, uh, yeah, he was tall. And uh, he, I mean, didn't necessarily, I didn't see a lot of his portion uh, of the workout. Uh, we just saw them. Uh, we have to explain. They only let us in for the last fifteen minutes of the uh, workout, so we get to see them shooting three pointers and doing dunks at the end of the end of the. End of you the got to session. see Justice Winslow shoot free throws. Got to see him that shoot was free throws, and he missed about seven of the ten he took. But yes, he, we did see those. He was tired too. Yeah, that was. And I don't know if that's. I mean, Winslow out of out of the bunch, Winslow looked the most exhausted after the workout. I thought. He looked like he was affected by the altitude a bit. Um, but at the same time, this guy's been put through the rigors of these jump on a plane. Even when I've talked to guys in years past, you say, hey, that was odd. when you talk to a guy in years, years past, you say, you know, what have you learned about the city of Denver? You know, and I've learned not to ask that because all they say is, you know, I went from the airport to the hotel, woke up, came here, uh, I'm going straight back to the airport, haven't gotten a chance to really see anything. 
you know uh-huh. one guy one guy told me one year uh you guys don't have any trees in Colorado and I was like yeah not from DIA to the Pepsi Center might be your phone set it off to the side I don't think it's my phone <laughs> Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. What's post. happening? I don't know. I'm gonna move the recorder. Now stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, there was a guy last year. I think it was Nick Johnson who was was asking us. He asked me about the city. He was like, "Yeah, I didn't, didn't see much city, but I heard a lot about it." And he was like, "Well, can you what, can you tell me?" And I'm like, "Well, I just gave him a <laughs> brief description." And then I think you, I think he was going to Minnesota next. And then I think he asked either you or me. He says, like, well, so you guys know anything about Minnesota? It could have been Zach Levine who said that. And I said, I don't have a clue. I said, you, you know about as much about, it, <laughs> about Minnesota as I do. And, um, but a lot of these guys, just, they just don't know. You know, and they, they, you, they, well, they, still, they don't have time. It's just you don't, unless they came here in college, they just, you don't see it. Now, Nick Johnson had come to Denver uh, because he was in Arizona and all that stuff, so he knew about. They played the Buffs. They right? played the Buffs at you know at CU. And we heard this year too. Stanley Johnson's been here. Uh, he mentioned from Team USA. He's been to Colorado Springs, uh, worked out down there with Team mm-hmm. USA basketball. So and he was at Arizona, so he came up to Boulder. And I was kind of surprised to hear Winslow didn't mention anything about when he was asked, "What did you know about Denver?" And he was like, "Nothing." And I was like, kind of surprised he didn't mention anything about Team USA and being in the Springs. If, if we're talking about how the guys looked. The guy that probably everyone raved about the most—I uh, wasn't at this workout, but apparently it was Willie Ca- was Willie Cauley Stein, was the one who apparently had impressed most people. Um, it's just based on the accolades. I, I hate to say some <laughs> talking with media guys around. Uh, a lot of guys were, were saying, "Oh man, this guy really impressed me with his shot or his athleticism or this or that." And to me, I'm going, "Man, I've been digging into this stuff so deep. I've kind of known." Like, if you didn't know Willie Cauley-Stein had a jump shot, you haven't been paying attention. If you didn't think that Devin Booker was athletic, you haven't been paying attention. Like, so there's that there's that aspect of guys being wowed by guys in workouts because they just haven't been following that player. Yeah. You know, as closely as draft nerds like myself and, like, we've converted you into. <laughs> so it's it's been I'll I'll tell funny. you this. The person who impressed me the most was Devin Booker. And... Mostly because he had a great attitude, fantastic attitude. Seemed like a really bright kid, and he was extreme, exceedingly athletic. He was very, I mean, the most athletic guy I saw. Um, you know, Stanley Johnson is, and both I will say Stanley Johnson and Justice Winslow are built very similarly. They are both look like linebackers. Playing, uh, playing at the three spot. Just a height difference. It's though. a height difference. Stanley's right? tall dude. Yeah, like he's a solid. Seemed like a solid six 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 seven. Yeah, uh, and Winslow six four six five. Stanley Johnson had the ugliest shot I've ever seen, but it's just you, maybe you can work on that. We saw Sean Marion play. Well, yeah, man, Sean Marion. <laughs> of course, Sean Marion was a little different kind of body wise than those guys, but um, was like he's dead. I think he played last night. No, he didn't play last <laughs> night. Um, uh, <clears throat> Winslow, uh, it, it, he was clearly tired because he missed a whole bunch of shots when he was out there, and he looked like he was dragging. 
And you um, kind of see the Nuggets were asking him, the guys in the workout, like, it was taking a lot of keep breaks. going, let's go. It was kind of funny. It seemed like they wanted him. It seemed like they wanted him to shoot free throws when he was really tired. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they were because his game, you know, I think is going to be a lot of attacking the rim, just like he did at Duke, and you know, he's going to have to shoot free throws when he's tired. So I think they just kind of wanted to maybe put some pressure on him in that regard. You know, if there's a scenario where the Nuggets draft him, and your guess is as good as mine in that part, but if there is a scenario where the Nuggets draft him, he's will get eventually used to the altitude. Um, I wasn't impressed with some of his answers to some questions or anything like that, but he's undeniably a good player. Well, he got asked, let's, let's say this, because it's going to be on uh, video. Somebody's got it on video. Uh, right at the, the last question asked of Justice Winslow today, he kind of goes through. Well, he had he had two kind of curious answers. He was asked. Uh, Ross Sharon asked him from ESPN Denver. Um, what did he ask him? What did Raj ask him? Uh, something about Denver. Uh, something about getting drafted. Oh or yeah. Staying in Denver. Would you want to play like in Denver, yeah. or if you got drafted here, what would you think? Kind of thing. And yeah, and he he says, "Well, I have no control over where I'm drafted," which is a, not a way to answer a question now granted it wasn't i mean i think raj probably had some better questions that he's had answered asked excuse me and i think that that is that's definitely part of that equation but i just think he kind of went he went down the path theory is like was also mentioned something about well you know and then when free agency comes about and it's like <laughs> you haven't even drafted yet and you're already yeah but yeah. i mean he was asked a question that kind of asked him to look into the future of yeah and it's and it's it's, like, that it's everybody being scared of well he's not going to want to come here because he's a he's a big city guy he wants to go play in New York and Chicago and pe- L A people need to stop this people it doesn't matter now he's right that he he, he has to be forced but everyone's left Denver but Iguodala it's, left, if we, everyone, left and people just have to stop this it, it, I mean if you if you live if you live life that way then these you'll never NBA players don't want to be in Denver yeah and it's that's it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, I think if the Nuggets were like a on the cusp of a championship or had a really kick-ass team, you'll have you'll keep your stars, and that's that's what'll happen. You, not everyone is Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, you can't really conclude uh, uh, Iguodala on that because he was only here one year and he was traded here, you know. But um, I, I, too, I always, you know, I I'm not an Iguodala, I'm not a fan of Iguodala's. No, I'm not. Uh, and kind of looking back at things the way he left i don't i knew you know when he got traded here yeah he probably didn't want to come here but he didn't want to go anywhere he wanted to be a free agent and he had his free agency coming up he played out his contract he played hard and then he did what free agents do he signed with the team that he felt was best for him and it wasn't like he left and went to a big team he went to freaking san francisco slash oakland yeah i mean that's not you know fleeing to go play for the Lakers or he just he made a pure basketball decision in my mind and like you said once the Nuggets you know if the Nuggets ever build up to where they are a a team that has strong culture and winning ways they won't have a problem with guys wanting to get out of town it it just doesn't I mean you just people have taken I mean it's they apply something to basketball they shouldn't it's just one of those things not everyone's Carmelo Anthony Carmelo is a different situation um, but anyway, his answer to that question was he said, well, I would be forced to come here. And it reminded me of Zach Levine getting drafted by the Timberwolves and saying, fuck me, as, as he's being drafted. And it's like, well, you're, you're getting yourself off on the wrong foot if you kind of phrase things that way. Now, granted, Levine's fine, and Levine will probably stay in Minnesota for a long time. But it's just like, you d- don't do that. And it, that, that bugs me. 
But I think that just speaks more to different aspects of Winslow than it does to his actual ability as a player. And his actual ability as a player is good based on what I've seen on film. And if the Nuggets end up picking him, uh, he definitely will benefit them and he'll be a good player for them. You know, it's undeniable. His, his jumper to me looks a lot better today. I don't know if he's how much he's tweaked it or I have to go back and watch you know, how, what he shot like at Duke, but... I'll have, like a, I'll have a video ones. up of it, uh, about that just later right now. I'll have a video going up on the YouTube page of Stanley Johnson's uh, three-point shots and uh, some slow-mo of his dunks. Stanley and Johnson or Justice not, Winslow? Not Stan, Winslow? Stanley, Winslow, sorry, Justice Winslow. Um, I, I got that up. So that'll be going up later, and you'll see what we're talking about with his shot and stuff. So go ahead, Nate, sorry. Oh, you're good. So we'll, let's get into some, some draft scenarios. We had Ben Campbell on Twitter... Uh, asked, I want to hear some possible Nuggets draft day trade scenarios. Um, Jack Smith asked, uh, do you see it's possible that the Nuggets get Moutier and Hazonia by trading Lawson to the Kings for their pick? Uh, and then Eric D., uh, Eric Devlin asked, uh, if we draft Willie Cauley-Stein, do you think including Nurkic in possible trade offers would nab us a lottery pick? So all those questions, uh, those two questions from, from Jack and Eric extensions of what Ben Campbell's asking, you know, about trade scenarios on draft day. And we had, what did we talk yesterday for 30 minutes on the phone going over various scenarios. And we were talking to people today at, you know, other reporters, uh, Matt Moore back in town, got to yep. see him, Jordan White in the house, Ross Sharon, Harrison Wind, uh, Dempsey, obviously. Um, am I forgetting anybody? Nope. Probably. But so, you know, we kind of got, just a read on guys, because every time you run into guys, it's who are you liking now? What are you hearing? What do you think about this? So it's it's fun to come up with all these different scenarios, and let's just let's just start at the top of the draft and just kind of go down to to seven. Uh, first pick, Minnesota Timberwolves. It feels like reading what's going on is. You know, I just listened to Matt Moore and Zach Harper had a podcast uh, before Game Three, where they kind of talked about this and. and uh, Zach Harper, Minnesota guy, now lives in Miami, but obviously follows that team very closely and knows a lot of people up there. He feels that it's it's split between Carl Anthony Towns and Jaleel Okafor. He thought it was at first heavy on Okafor, and now that Towns is kind of getting in there a little bit, uh, and the belief is that Flip Saunders likes Jaleel Okafor, and perhaps you know they're taking a look at, at Towns. But that's interesting because at the very first pick, it's still not it's not clear cut. Well, the the first pick sets the tempo for the rest of the draft, and and if you have two guys that could be one A, one B, that really kind of that puts that puts everyone in an interesting position. I, they're not going to trade it; they're going to select someone. So, say for argument's sake, they take Okafor. That Flip Saunders prevails, and they take Okafor. So it's a scenario one. Scenario one. Scenario one: Minnesota takes <laughs> Okafor. Two, I think the Lakers would immediately snap up Towns. And I think so too. I think they would be there would be so much pressure for L. I mean, they they did they would get crucified, crucified for not taking him yeah. if they didn't. I mean, it would be it would be insane. Now it would be different if Okafor uh, was available because then maybe they could go for another player. So let's, let's stay with scenario okay. one. Say scenario one. Minnesota takes Okafor. Minnesota takes Okafor, and I see Lakers take Lakers Towns. take Towns, and then Philly takes Russell. I'm torn on what Philly's going to do. I think they'll take Russell. 
I think, think they would be really foolish not to take him. I think we'll see, like we're hearing, you know, some 76ers bloggers like Mario Hazonia, uh, some guys that are, you know, close with the, the vibe of that team, obviously. Um, D'Angelo Russell's there. I really think those are – Moutier is probably in the conversation a little bit for them. But I think that, you know, no matter what scenarios you may hear, at the end of the day they'll probably take D'Angelo Russell. I think nine times out of ten – these, these, uh, Especially with how well Dario Saric has been playing overseas right now. Yeah. You know, nine times out of ten, these drafts are chalk. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we talk about all these scenarios, and then at the end of the day, it's like all about <laughs> all about the uh, about chalk. And then so uh, we've got Towns, Okafor, and Russell gone. Number four is the Knicks. Who the hell knows what the Knicks are going to do? I kind of think they'll take Winslow, but... Real GM's uh, Sham Trina just uh, had tweeted out that the Knicks are looking to maybe acquire a pick in the late first round, early second round. So, you know, what does that tell you? Well, might they be looking, you know, to package pick four? I don't know. I, I feel like the Knicks are the first team in the draft where the possibility of the traded pick is the most real. I think it's number four. Number four is a swing position, too, because you've got Moutier, Winslow, uh, Przingis, and Hazonia left. And those guys are all very movable as far as like which position they're drafted. Um, if I was going to guess, and if they were pick pick, if they were going to stay for the pick, um, I would probably say they take um, Winslow. But me too. You never know. Um, so, but let's go with this scenario. They take Winslow. So after that, no, you got number five. And Orlando is hard for me to read. I, I think kind of they they would take Porzingis. The only thing that I've, that I've heard but, with Orlando from listening to podcasts and reading is that Rob Hennigan is a high character guy. He likes good guys okay. that have you know team attitude type guys. Uh, Victor Oladipo, very nice kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alfred Payton, I think same scenario. So yeah, with them it's tough. And then as well, they have they have Nikola Vukovic as their center. Who can't really play power? He can't really play f- away from the hoop. So that's when you start to think, well, maybe you know Willie Colley Stein would be great for them from a defensive standpoint, but offensively he can't do much. And that's when you talk about Porzingis. He can be play on the perimeter, have Vukovic inside, mm-hmm. and Porzingis protects the rim. So that's when you start to think maybe he lands. Maybe five. I, I can see Porzingis going there. I can. In a, and, and what do you then, think about Hazonia though? I mean, Orlando's got to at least be looking at him pretty seriously. I don't think they need a well. And that's where the attitude thing comes in. Of if, yeah, is he is he a me first guy, and would they gamble there? See, number six is where I think it starts getting hairy for for uh, Hazonia. Is where it it could be really be Sacramento that really likes him. So five is maybe Willie Colley Stein or Perzingis. It feels like yeah, I can see those two right there. I I can't see Colley Stein going to uh, Orlando. Just it would actually because... be smart for Orlando to trade that pick and move back to like eight, nine, or ten and take Devin Booker. I think so. That's that's a, actually a much better better scenario. That's I agree. Actually, replaces Tobias Harris. He can mm-hmm. shoot. Spreads the floor. That's a that's know. a better scenario because um, Booker. But I I could see the Booker fitting in there really well. He's a good kid. He's a good. I really liked him. So and he's that's a good where kid. you first have to start to worry about either the Hornets or the Pistons trading up to five to take Mario to get some scoring on their teams. Yes. Uh, Stan Van Gundy supposedly likes Hazonia a little bit. Yeah. So. Uh, and and the Nuggets I know like Hazonia, but that's where it gets into the Harry because you know after that. 
I think I think to be to be honest with you, if Moutier is there at the, on the board at six, the the Kings will have to take him. Need a point guard. Yeah, you need a point He's guard. A, He's the best player available. Arguably a top three pick. In yeah, the, and he just drafts. happened to fall. Um, and then at seven, you know, the Nuggets. It could be on the outside looking in in a few scenarios. It could be. I mean, then at seven, the Nuggets, and then the Nuggets try to pull a trigger on a trade. Who knows? Did you have to fire Brian Shaw? <laughs> we couldn't have got the fifth pick and then fired him. <laughs> uh, but that's there's kind of what's interesting too. Is you look at okay, no matter who goes one or two, there are scenarios where Moutier is available at six, and I think what people want to know is. Could the Nuggets, and I would like to know this too, could the Nuggets realistically put together a trade for the Kings to get that sixth pick while also keeping the seventh pick? I mean, if you're talking about trading up to make sure you get Moutier, you know, if, if Moutier is there, is that the guy for the Nuggets? I don't know. I don't know how closely they have followed him. You know, I, I don't know their read on him as well as I do some of the other guys in the draft. If Moutier, if, uh, I think they take Moutier. I, I I would that would that's just me hazarding I guess but I take they take Moutier. Um, there's three players I think they would definitely take and I think that's uh, Russell Hazonia or Russell Hazonia and Moutier, without a doubt if they're in that position to take them. And that's the other question too is if if Russell makes it past three, I could see Denver trying to get in the hunt to acquire the Knicks pick at four to try to get D'Angelo Russell. I could see that. And then at that point to move up to... But the Knicks might just be stubborn and say, we're taking Winslow and let Russell go. Although, I mean, with his passing ability in the triangle, it would be pretty nice for... Well, point guard's not necessarily the passing thing in a... Point, in a uh, and he can play shooting guard, too. I mean, there's scenarios I mean, you need a play Derek Fisher kind of player for that. So you need a guy... Just an old has-been? Is that what you're saying? Who was, who was the point guard for the Bulls, uh, that little guy? B.J. Armstrong. You need a B.J. Armstrong in that situation. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. You know, guys that are just going to shoot threes. Um, but, you know, the, the, right there is the interesting part. Where the Nuggets are a very strange part of the draft. Anything. Any, any player could fall to them at seven. And I think if the Nuggets see a player they want, they'll do what it takes to move up to get him. I really do believe that. So we're going to go with scenario two now, which is uh, Minnesota takes Okafor, right? Oh, wait, no, excuse me, takes Towns. Minnesota takes Towns. Suddenly, the Lakers, the Lakers are the Lakers wild card. Think, the Lakers think, mm, maybe we could take Russell. Or Moutier. Or Moutier. They take a point guard, and it completely throws the draft into chaos because everyone thinks the, the two big guys are going to go one and two. The Lakers really kind of took, I mean, they took D'Angelo Russell out to dinner to watch the finals. They bring him in. The media there seems to kind of drool all over him. They did with Jaleel as well. But you're right. I think it, too, if Okafor goes, or if Carl Anthony Towns goes first, then the wildcard team suddenly becomes the Lakers at two. And if they take a point guard, it's going to be, it's, it's, hands, it's all hands on deck. Because no one knows what's going to happen after that. Because you'll have Towns, excuse me, Okafor available at three. Um, there has to be some teams that would think, uh, we could use Okafor and would back a dump truck full of picks up to uh, Sam Hinkie's door at number three. I mean, what if, what if at two, if the Lakers took, 
one of the point if they, if they took D'Angelo Russell, let's mm-hmm. say the Sixers like Russell. If they take D'Angelo Russell, then yeah, what do the Sixers do at three? Do they trade back to try to, you know, do they trade back to five, six, or seven to make sure that they get you know Mario Hazonia or Porzingis or something like that? Because I can see the Sixers. I don't know what they feel about Moutier. Maybe they just take Moutier at three and say call it a day. But you know, I think that they could be affected by what the Lakers do if they took D'Angelo Russell. I think that might affect. Well, Philly. we'll look at it this way then. Say if they they go it goes Towns Russell Moutier, you have Okafor still available at four. I think the Knicks take Okafor. Probably I would almost know, have to. That, so, and then you're left with Winslow. Porzingis, Hazonia. Winslow goes to Orlando. Boom, done deal. Winslow goes to Orlando. Porzingis and Hazonia, and that's between the, the the Kings and the Nuggets. And then that's where the Nuggets, Nuggets are still in an interesting spot. Seven. I mean, every every scenario it takes. It's just like they. I know they like Hazonia, and I know they like another couple of players. And I think that. I think the Nuggets like Russell. Hazonia. They like Russell first. I think it would be the way I would. Assume that they like him, uh, and then they then Hazonia, and then you know the rest of these players. <sighs> Man, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough because you're like, what are they going to? Are they going to move? Do what it takes to move up? What do you because think? that's going to be expensive. You know, that's expensive. Oh, look who it is. The Nuggets curmudgeon. It's the Nuggets curmudgeon. Marty. It's Uncle Marty. Well, waving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Marty. <laughs> we're just looking at the we're, you know, look, the best poster ever. I love that. The Nuggets Superman poster. David Thompson, Alex English, Dan Issel, the horse. All right, we're back from a little break. Uh, neither Jeff nor myself can remember what we were talking about. This is tell, we, are a, we are professional podcasters. Uncle Marty came in. Uh, Andrew Feinstein's wonderful uncle told us some uh, great stories, some we, old uh, old basketball stories, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, UCLA stories. We have to talk to Marty every time we see him because he's a guy who has a, a lot of Nuggets history in his head, and uh, it's always fun to talk to Marty. And Marty goes to a lot of Nuggets games too, so... Um, but uh, yeah, so I think I, we were talking about the draft, the draft, I, oh something. scenarios and stuff like that. As far as the Nuggets go, I, there's just it's there's so many things up in the air, and I think that I think that I would be feel more comfortable if they had a coach right now. Yeah, and I kind I, of I, I my thing with the draft, I don't, I just don't know if. Yes, I think it would be awesome if they got two picks in the first round, but I keep coming back to okay, maybe they could trade for a pick, you know, from somewhere between I don't know, ten to twenty. You know, I think those picks will be some of those picks will be available if they found a guy, and that's where you start to talk about a point guard, right? If they can't get Moody or Russell, maybe that's where they look at Cameron Payne, Jerry and Grant, who they brought in, great size, passer. Uh, Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, some of those guys. I, I do wonder, you know, if the Nuggets fall in love with one of those guys, if they would go get them, you know, in, in that part of the draft. Because I do think that the target is a wing at seven if they stay at seven. I think the Nuggets' number one priority is getting a dynamic wing, a guy with a major upside. I think the goal number two is if if they see a guy they like, because because 
quite frankly, unless they see the opportunity and some scenarios put, you know, come up where they can attain Russell, then and Russell's, maybe Russell's by no stretch of the imagination a sure thing. No, no. And it's like you know, do you want to sell the farm to get him when, yeah. you know, you, that's when you have to start weighing. You know, obviously we want to see the Nuggets make a trade. You know and not have to give up that seventh pick in most scenarios. If they move up high enough to get Russell, obviously they have to trade that pick. I think Mm -hmm. the only scenario I can see where Denver hangs on to the seventh pick is the sixth pick. You might be able to entice Sacramento with Ty Lawson plus, you know, a future pick or two, you know, to make that deal work. But, I mean, is Ty Lawson and two first-round draft picks way too much to pay for the sixth pick? (laughs) And who are you drafting there? You know, but that's that's kind of my my thing is I'd like to, I want them to definitely keep number seven, unless they're able to move up to like two or three yeah. or four. And I want to see you know I'd like to see if they can trade for another pick in this draft and get another guy. I can see them trading into later later um, in the draft. I can see them getting into late teens. Um, Snatch up Jerry and Grant, call it a day. If that's if that's who they want, then yeah, I could see that happening because Jerry and Grant's a late late uh, teens kind of player, I think, maybe even early 20s. So I think... Because that was the interesting thing, too. The three guys that came in, Decker, Grant, and Booker, you know, obviously you think, okay, they're looking at Booker because he's projected around that area. Yeah. Maybe that was more about seeing Jerry and Grant and the byproduct is, hey, we get to see Devin Booker as well. You know, that could be a scenario. Or it was, hey, we want to see both those guys or, hey, we want to see Booker and, you know, happens to be Grant, too. But... You know, uh, it's interesting that Grant was here yeah. and that Cameron Payne hasn't been here, Tyus Jones hasn't been here, DeLon Wright I, hasn't been here. I don't see Sam Decker on their radar. No, um, he was included in the group, and that's why he was in Denver. Yeah, I just don't see that as part of the thing. Um, but, you know, listen, there, uh, I, there's a whole bunch of scenarios that we can get, but like I said before, I would feel more comfortable if they had a coach. And it's like the more the longer this process goes on and they don't have a coach, the more uneasy I am because it's like I just don't feel like they have a direction. And and maybe and they, they keep saying, too, that they, the direction is going to be, as Tim said on our podcast, crystal clear. Josh Kroenke has also said that the direction is going to be pretty clear once it's all said and done after the draft. So, you know, June 26th, <laughs> he's got to hold it out. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, get a coach hired. Get a coach in here. It's it's kind of a shame that a coach wasn't there to see Justice Winslow, who is a high-profile guy in this draft. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's the end of the world that they don't have a coach. He can give them input if he's hired in the next couple of days as to you know what he thinks. And if it's if it is Melvin Hunt, I mean, in some capacity, Melvin Hunt's been there, right? He's been in the weight room. You've seen him. I've seen him. Other reporters have seen him. You know, when those doors are closed and the media is not in there, we don't know if Melvin Hunt's been on the practice floor. It's true. And nobody's asked the players, I guess. Nobody's asking any of these prospects. Why didn't we ask the prospects if Melvin Hunt was out there? It's a, you know. <laughs> Don't say anything what, about Melvin. This is what we get He's for top not, secret. This is what we not, get for not doing our reporter duties. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of different things out there. But, it, it's, but I think we may have a – I think the signs point to a coach soon, and then, therefore, the direction will become clear, and then we'll be – Maybe a little more comfortable with whatever, whoever they draft. And the other the other aspect that we haven't talked about that we've talked about on previous podcasts is the addition of Nikola Jokic to this team. Uh, reports have been coming out. David Pick, 
Uh, there's been a couple other articles I've read from overseas where Jokic has, you know, as expected by us and, and most of the Denver media, Jokic has basically said his goodbyes and that he yeah. is coming to Denver. And the Nuggets have made no secret, as I've been saying, they want him here for Summer League. It looks like that's going to happen. And if you look at projections of, of, of where he might, you know, if you went talking to people, Tim Conley told us on this show that he didn't think that they would be able to get him in the second round. When I asked him, could you have gotten him in the second round if he was in this year's draft? No, was no, the answer. No. And he's, you know, from some guys I, I respect on Twitter, mainly due to Adam Marr saying, hey, follow this guy on Twitter. Following a couple guys on there, and they said they projected out Jokic to be probably a fringe lottery pick. So you're adding, you know, if you just have the seventh pick in Jokic, you're adding essentially two first-round draft picks. If you trade for another one, that's three to go with a pretty young set of guys already on the team. So, you know, make no mistake, there's going to be it's going to be a very different roster next season. Mm-hmm. However, this thing shakes out. Even if they don't trade anybody, it's going to be different. Well, Jokic came over. Well, last year and was playing with Moutier in the uh, what was it the. He played in the Hoop Summit game. Hoop Summit in Portland, right? And he also worked out last year in California. He has a brother that played basketball at the University of Detroit, so he has spent time in the U.S. He does speak pretty good English already. So he's not like Nurkic, and, and the, I think the effect of his culture shock will be less. I think so, too. And I think that that's you know, one of the most encouraging things about Jokic is the fact that he has spent time over here in the U.S., and he's not a complete novice to whatever this is out here. And I think if we're going to look at something that's good, you know, he played it uh, with uh, uh, Moutier. Moutier called him, what, his his own Dirk Nowitzki or something Little like Dirk that? Or Little Dirk or something, Dirk, yeah. You know, yeah. And um, so I'm going to be interested to see Jokic and see how he how he adapts and uh, to what the Nuggets are trying to do because I'm, I'm pretty sure – that if Nurkic didn't get hurt, he um, would have played for the, the Bosnian team this year. Which, you know, you don't get to see him again in Summer League. And I, I think Summer League only works for your first couple of years, you know, honestly. Unless you're a co guy, a fringe NBA player. I think the Pistons, uh, Quincy Miller is going to be playing for the Pistons in Summer League in hopes of, you know, turning Stan Van Gundy's head to earn some, some minutes there in Detroit. So... That is kind of what it's for. A couple first-year guys. Yeah, fringe NBA players. Guys that have changed teams that are trying to, you know, stick around. Yeah. And it's it's smart, I mean, because you don't have a, a great developmental league here, you know. Even Jordan Hamilton, who has, you know, spent some time in the D League and is trying to stay on with the Clippers, you know, you just, just – once you're out of the NBA, it's just another guy that we, we, we can talk about is JaVale McGee. You know, is he going to be able to get back into the league? It might have been a colossal mistake – you know, it's kind of mistake after mistake with him. Might have been a colossal mistake not to just take a two-year deal with the Celtics, you know, just to stay in the league. Because once you're out of the league, like Anthony Randolph is going to find out he's trying to come back and make an NBA comeback. Once you're out of the league, it's so hard to get back in just because of the fact that there's a wave of guys that come in. Yep. Not only the first two rounds of the draft, but you have all these rookie free agents. Matthew Della Vadova is a rookie free agent. I mean, you can find quality players that are younger, have the upside, they haven't been, you know, kind of labeled busts already by by people in the NBA. So yep. it's tough and it's but it is exciting at the same time that you know, that the Nuggets are going to be adding guys to this team, um at least two, 
you know, at least with a draft pick and with Jokic, uh, you're going to have two new faces in there yeah. uh, before we get into free agency and, and trades and all that stuff. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but June 25th is going to be, for us, it's going to be pretty intense. Well, it always is fun because, uh, you know, well, it's going to be interesting not to have an Aaron Lopez there giving us some pizza, but uh, I think we'll manage somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Alo, if you're listening, you know, we miss we miss the pizza, and hopefully the, you didn't take the pizza with you uh, when you when you left the Nuggets. So. Bill's New York pizza, if they if they're probably gonna have frozen pizza, yeah. or order <laughs> Chinese or something, <laughs> or takeout or something, and it'll only go to one person. But uh, yeah, so it's a good time. I always love good doing. This will be my third third draft covering down there at Petri Center, and it's uh, it's an experience that I, I love. It's one of my favorite things to do. I have trouble because I. I mean, I guess we're not in an arena with fans and whatnot, but I do get into the draft. And I remember even even last year when was it two years ago and they took Eric Green, I was I was pretty excited about it. <laughs> well, I remember <laughs> last year it was Yumi and Shapiro sitting on the sitting at the one same table, all hoping that they took Zach, <laughs> took Levine. Zach Levine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, and, our, our, and when they took uh, if this is before we knew they they were going to do the trade, and it's like they take uh, what was it, Doug McDermott? We're like. Ugh. Why? I just had a feeling that was going to be traded right when it happened. It was yeah. like, this can't be true. Yeah, it couldn't be. And then almost instantaneously, guys in the room were, you know, were getting texts saying, yeah, it's not staying here, So, which is nice. But, again, you know, a lot of things are going to play out. they got to find a head coach. they got to find a clear direction, again, with this team. It's just it's tough because it feels like we've been stuck in neutral for so long with this team. And now you're starting to really kind of question, you know, we're not just questioning the roster and the coach, you know, you're questioning more of the front office and, and, and really ownership as well. I mean, that's kind of what comes into play eventually. Yep. You know, we've, we've gone two years, however much longer they stay out of the playoffs and, and don't rebuild this thing and, and start turning it around. That's when more questions are going to start going towards ownership of, Hey, you know, we've kind of stuck by you guys through, you know, some a little bit of the thick and the thin of you being here in Denver. Like, you know, are you guys still going to be building us a winner here, or you know, or not? Yeah. Well, and I think I think those are legitimate questions. And I think if any, if you are a Nuggets fan, you know, this is a this is a an important year. This is starting right now is an important off season. They can't afford to whiff on this pick, and they can't afford to whiff on the coach. I think it's tough to judge D'Alessandro's time in Sacramento. Because of what we're finding out about Vivek. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but then again, I mean, I, I think it's part of the general manager's job is to convince the guys above him that what he's doing is the way that things should be done. All corporate positions are half part people skills, half part politics. <laughs> and, you know, if you're not a political person or if you don't have that ability, then you're not going to be able to convince, as you should, the owner of your way. I mean, Sam Hinkie must be the greatest politician on the planet, you know, because he convinced an owner to be horrible for many years. <laughs> yeah, with no clear sign of coming out of it, yeah. you know. I mean, you have a draft pick coming up, and then you have Saric coming over, mm-hmm. not this year, but next year. Yes. You know, he's got another year in Europe. Uh, he's playing well now, but, geez, wouldn't you rather see him, if you're a Sixers fan, putting up 15-8 and eight in Philadelphia versus 15-8 and eight and God knows where he's playing right now. If it, you know, if it was me, I'd want him here. But 
dream scenario. I'm not, I'm not a genius like Sam Hinkie. Not to, I guess we can't call it a dream scenario <laughs> because we have limitations as to what we can ask for here. But what do you want to see play out for the fact coach and draft? I already know what you're going to say for the draft, but who do you want? Who do you want to get the coaching job? Um, I my heart says Melvin, my head says D'Antoni. Um, so I I want Melvin to get it just because I think he deserves it. I don't think he will because I just don't think the Nuggets like him enough. Yeah, I, th- I think I really do think that Melvin's the best guy for the job. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I, I think it would. That's where I feel. I feel he's the best guy for the job. Period. And and you know, draft picks is on you. But. And I don't know, like you, like you, I don't know if Melvin's going to get it. And the draft, yeah, I mean, I'm almost okay with everything in the draft. The only, I would be pretty unhappy if they got Hazonia, though. I, <laughs> I think people are underestimating Hazonia, and they really haven't really seen everything he can do. And I don't blame them. He hasn't been given much opportunity. For the most part, I think people like Hazonia. It doesn't feel yeah. like last year where, you know, they took Nurkic and you saw a lot of outcries of, what is this? I think if they took Hazonia, you know, at least our readers – and people that people that follow Denver Stiffs and are part of our conversation, for the most part, people like Hazonia. Even even our own uh, Evan Wheeler has come around a little bit on Mario Hazonia. After Ross Sharon gave him a little trash on Twitter the other day, I said, well, somebody said, if they don't get Hazonia, I'll be to be depressed. And Raj had tweeted, like, well, don't tell Evan Wheeler. And Evan's like, hey, I'd be okay with it. You know, if you get him, you get, you know, get Hazonia, get Jerry and Grant, it might be okay. So Yeah, I listen, I'll take Hazonia every day at, you know, and I, I, of course, if they get high, the Nuggets have been or fortunate to get enough to get higher or have an opportunity with Moutier or something like that. You take Moutier, but that'd be tough for me. Like if you're at seven and you have a choice between Moutier and, and Hazonia, then that to me, I start to say, well, what are we going to do with Ty? You know, are you going to trade yeah. Ty for DeMar DeRozan or something? You know, like I keep coming back to DeMar just because I, I think that Masai wants to trade everybody in Toronto and I, I can't think does. of other names out there. I think I think Masai I think Masai would like to rebuild desperately. But it, that's the thing, though. You know, it's like to me, my, the perfect scenario would be figuring out a way if Moutier doesn't go top three or four, figure out a way to trade for him, keep seven, draft Hazonia. So you got Hunt, Hazonia, Moutier. HHM. HHM. <laughs> Hunt Does, Hazonia Moutier. Isn't that a magazine? Or a clothing store? H&M? H&M. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've lost. Uh, we've dropped the show. All right. All right, guys. Well, let's get out of here, Jeff. Thanks for uh, taking the time to podcast. Oh well, this thank afternoon. you. I mean, it's it's not you know it's not as if I'm part of the podcast <laughs> or anything like that. Thanks for uh, making the way <laughs> down here. Because <laughs> we did have we're going to try to to podcast right after the Winslow workout, but uh, all the other local yokels had places they needed to go mm. uh, for various reasons. Work. Matt Moore trying to see family before he gets uh, shipped back out to Oakland to cover the finals, which was awesome to hear from him being at an NBA Finals game. I've never even been in a Finals game. Well, we did it. We did get tacos, and if Moon Tower Tacos would like to sponsor the CSG podcast, um, let us know. You could pay us literally in tacos. In tacos, I mean, we I would, would eat them. I would. I, Matt Moore would be our permanent guest on the podcast if that was the case. <laughs> and Jordan White, and would Jordan also White would probably yes. be there. Dempsey <laughs> would continue making appearances yes. as well. Yeah. So, so anyway, cool. well, uh, all right, guys. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, by the next time we talk, we'll have a coach. Yeah, next time we talk, and uh, hopefully that'll be before next week. We'll see you then. All right.